I'm Jeff Cook. And I'm TJ Wilson. And this is Around the Circle. I'm walking slowly. is a map of the human personality. It's a tool for navigating relationships. It creates language for what motivates us and helps us look at the way we look at everything else. Most importantly, the Enneagram's a mirror because sometimes you need help seeing yourself. My name is Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher in Greeley, Colorado, and with me is TJ Wilson, businessman, lover of theology, and Enneagram Ninja. Hello. My man. Hey. Last time we spoke about the shadow of our type and how that comes out of our stance. Yep. Talking about stance. Yay. I love stance. I suppose this is part two of our deep dive into stance and where last time was a lot of dark, which you will know, have a hard time myself just sitting in the dark. That's true. Yeah. Time just, to move forward. There's got to be movement out of the dark. Got to get some forward energy out of the dark. <laughs> this, this, is, this is very important to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. It's fine. I like where we're going today. Um, we're going to be talking about stance again and how you go to the high side of stance. Now, there's a, a, actually a handful of introductory things we need to hit. One is high side, low side. Many of you who have been longtime listeners will know that we like talking about each element of the Enneagram in terms of its high side and its low side. There isn't like a bad stance or a bad intelligence center or a bad coping style. What you have are high sides, healthy sides, and low sides, unhealthy sides to every element of our personality. Uh, you got thoughts on high side, low side here with stance? Yeah, I think that's um, if if you're gonna if if you're gonna call yourself fans of our, of our work, that's that's one of our sort of mantras is that like anything can happen in a healthy and unhealthy way. And and for stance, there's there's a lot of great things about our stance. There's a lot of negative things about our stance, and uh, you can just focus on the bad. And you can also focus on some of the really great things that are that are available there, that are are encouraged there, that that are like these tools that help us become better people. If you choose to embrace the healthy side of your stance, low side of stance, among other things, is going to include our repressed center. So we have talked about this extensively, that one of the best things you can do Enneagram-wise is really address your repressed center, engage that, lift it up, make it strong. If you're thinking repressed, you need to work on your thinking. If you're action repressed, you need to get into your body. If you're feeling repressed, you really need to give language to your feelings. Low side of stance is your repressed center. Yeah. If you don't deal with your repressed center, some of the shadows that we looked at last time are going to manifest. Right. Uh, it's just an invitation to some of your worst self. That's one big note for setup. The second big note is something that, again, we mention a lot, is that through our Enneagram type, we breathe in the world and then we respond. There's a breathing in, there's a breathing out. We breathe in through our intelligence center. You're a body type, you're a heart type, you're a head type. Uh, you take in the world through your heart, head, or body. That is your center. Your stance is how you engage the world, how you breathe out, how you get what you want. And that is the natural flow, taking in the world, engaging the world. 
when taking in the world, as many of you know, we take in the world in such a way that it can often produce a feeling in us, which we call underlying feeling, for head types, for five, sixes, and sevens. You're a head type. You take in the world with kind of a future filter. You have an expectation of what's going to happen that colors everything you experience. And when you experience the world, there's always that what-if quality to everything you experience. And underlying that, the, the feeling that can get produced by what-if thinking is that fear. It's like almost a film that, that colors the, the world as you take it in. This is true of head types. Um, am I missing anything there on the head types and, and fear? Uh, I, I don't know that you're missing anything that I'm going to say it in a different way. Uh, so like four head types who take in information, uh, the observation, the, the world around them, the way that they receive all of that is, is a data driven, like interested in categorizing things and, and labeling and, and making sense of what's happening out there. And, uh, as part of that, like the function of, collecting information that way is to prepare for the things that might happen in the future that like that mental focus and the future focus are tied together and the reason that they're like all of this is held together with a bow of fear and it's it's all about preparing for the future fears that that we're trying to avoid as we've often said the future is unknowable and so the feeling that's going to be produced in unknowability is going to look something like an anxiety of fear. It's, right. I'm not sure what's going to happen. Right. Different for heart types. Twos, threes, and fours take in the world through a past filter. Everything that they experience has a film, has a coloring, has a relational quality that where they are thinking about the world they experience with the past in mind. So every relationships that they've had that has gone well, that has broken, colors how they interpret everything going on in the present moment. And so that past orientation produces a feeling as well, and it's a relational anxiety, or in the negative, it's a shame. Two, threes, and fours will all communicate that they experience a sense of under that underlying feeling of shame that's always, you know, poking its head into how they're experiencing the world. Right. Yeah, the uh, with that past focus, it's all about relationships. It's all about it's all about feelings and and emotion and like where the head types taken everything through this data-centered kind of way, the heart types taken everything through the emotional kind of way. What happened to me in my past? How did I feel about it? What did people do to me? Um, how do people feel about me? All, all of it is like their sentimentality, it's relationships, it's relational. Like the way that they experience the world is through that relational focus. And because of that relational focus, there's this sense of um, like a lot of twos, threes, fours will report that they have a certain amount of shame because of a relationship in their past. Uh, and that is just sort of a filter through which they see the world as this one thing that this one person did to me 30 years ago 
dictates how I view relationships will go in the future. And, and so all of that is tied together. This is how they understand the world is through this relational sense. Lastly, then, is the body types, eights, nines, ones. Take in the world through a present filter because eights, nines, and ones are spatially aware. Eights, nines, and ones are boundary establishing. Uh, eights, nines, and ones want the world around them to feel a certain way. And that when the world doesn't feel a certain way, it generates an emotion, again, an underlying feeling, and that feeling is anger. With all of these types, our underlying feeling is almost inescapable. Right. It just it, It's part of the filter. Right. Through which we take in the world. Yeah, it's uh, it's not necessarily like we all experience anger. We all experience most of us experience shame to some degree or relational anxiety. Uh, we we all have a sense of fear and, and what fear is and what it's for. But the three types in each center will have a particular kind of inescapable relationship to that un underlying feeling. And it will color so much else about how they experience other emotions as well. Yep. How you experience the world, inescapable. But what you do in response, that's where your character, your personality, your health really is exemplified. And that's coming out in your stance. And that's why stance work is so important. It's because this is where your full self engages reality and decides what you're going to do with it. None of us can, you know, control the hand that we're dealt. We can only control the way that you play the hand. And right. in that way, you can't control the shame, fear, or anger you feel. All you can do is respond and, you know, wrestle with that and develop the character traits that do it in a, in a holistic, healthy way. If you, if you use the Enneagram, if you use the Enneagram. In fact, it may be the case that using the Enneagram itself, aside for, for trivia purposes, and this is why people do what they do, actually using the Enneagram, this is where you really need to focus. Right. It's this is how I take in the world, I'm giving language to it, and now I need to work, 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 work on myself and how I respond given my anger, my fear, my shame. Right. Yeah, you can't change how you see. As a nine, I can't become a one or a four or a six. Like it just it doesn't work that way. Um, and, and that's the parlor trick level. But you can change how you react to things. And, and stance work is a big part of that. Yep. The question then for us, as we wrestle with our own anger, when we wrestle through fear, when we wrestle through shame, is what can I do to employ the high side of our stance? And this goes to, you know, again, as TJ said, it's kind of, this is kind of the heart of he and I's work. It's what's the high side look like Enneagram-wise. When it comes to stance, naming the high side, naming the high side of your stance and what that looks like, that is incredibly constructive if you can, if you can do it. So as a recap on stance then, stance is Enneagram language for how we get what we want, how we are responding to the world we experience. Uh, when we speak about doing stance work, what we're doing then is, is hitting that central tool. What I want to pitch, and we've hit this, uh, we've teased this in a handful of podcasts in the past. We haven't really delved into this hard. I want to suggest that the high side of stance looks like 
something like a virtue, like a human excellence, like a character trait that some people possess and some people don't. But that character trait, if it's possessed, actually makes you a healthier person, a better person, a more grounded uh, soul. And it's one of those elements that the ancients, Aristotle, Plato, and Socrates all pointed to and said, this is what it looks like to be a good person. And we're going to use their list. And it really overlaps really well with a lot of Enneagram stuff. So um, I'll play that out in a second. You got any thoughts before we jump into wisdom, courage, and moderation? Well, I'm curious, uh, as, as a layperson, Mr. Philosopher, Come on. Uh, if some people have these virtues and some people don't, what do we do? What, 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 what do the rest of us do who don't have those virtues? So if I played football and I wasn't very good at football, but I looked at other people who were really good at football and I said, you know, that person throws the ball well, runs fast, um, is incredibly strong, is able to move people. I would be naming characteristics to their play that are praiseworthy, admirable, things that if I wanted to be a good football player, those are the things I would try to do. Sure. If I wanted to be a good business person, same story. Good business people, let's say the target is they, they make more money, they bring health to their community, they employ people and treat them well. How do they do that? It's like, well, they, here's a, they put their mind towards these kinds of systems and budgeting. They, they employ capital in a certain way. They have a certain process by which they come to, the, to, to business. Those are all characteristics of a good business person good football player, good business person. You and I have cars. Would yep. you consider your car a good car or a bad car? Uh, yes. One of them is right. a good car. The other one is not a good car. And I bet, you, let, let's go here for a second. Like, What are some of the characteristics of the bad car that make it a bad car? Well, it's a 99, so it's old, mm-hmm. which means that it just has a lot of wear on it. I bet you many of our listeners perhaps are driving presently bad cars, sure. and it's yeah. because it makes it a bad car because it, uh, cars are designed to get you from point A to point B without a hassle, perhaps in style, perhaps in comfort, perhaps without you know uh, getting too much damage on the way. Can sure. <laughs> you yeah. there safely? You have a bad car if your brakes don't work. You have a bad car if your AC doesn't work. Uh, you have a bad car if it doesn't start. These are, it's no knock on the car. You might love the car, but it's right. not a, but function is central. Right. And this one here. leaks oil and the power yeah. steering is kind of shoddy. And, and, you know, I might have to replace the rear deferential and all this stuff. So in the Greek philosophers, specifically Aristotle, wanted to talk about the good human life. They did the same thing. They, they said function. What's the function of a human being? And you're a good human being if you function as in a certain way and you're a bad human being if you don't function in a human being in a certain way. That's not a moral judgment. particular. Well, it is, but it's not. It's not in terms of like the sinful, you know, kind of language. It's more like we know what it's like to hang out with folks who are thriving and flourishing and happy. And for Aristotle, that would be the good life. We also know what it's like to be around folks who are ignorant and oily 
and not thriving at life, you know? Sure. Yeah. And it, generally speaking, a lot of us don't want to be that person. Yeah. We want to do life well. And that's, that would be the, more the target. Um, character, virtue, human excellence in the Western tradition has looked like that. It's been, what does it look like for us to put on, to, to adopt those characteristics that help us to live the best possible life? So just like the best possible football player would look a certain way or the best possible business person might look a certain way or, you know, a thriving car looks a certain way. So too, like in that same way, a thriving life, a thriving human life would look a certain way. Sure. And so these character traits, courage, wisdom, moderation, these were identified by the Greek philosophers as what was central. So this is what Plato's Republic is about. This is what Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethic is about. It's about these attributes and just saying, you know what, if you talk about a good life, a thriving life, this is really where you should focus first. Okay. And lo and behold, they overlap amazingly <laughs> with stance. Who'd have thought? Who Who'd would thought? have thought? So here's the thing. Say it's the, the case that you're a thinking repressed type, ones, twos, and sixes. You need to shore up your thinking. What you really need is a virtue. And the virtue available is wisdom. We know people who are wise. If, if we were to shore up our thinking repression, it would be great to hang out with, to read, to study the, the rhythms of people who are wise and that wisdom if we find out how they're doing things wisely, perhaps we could, through you know exercises and the rest, take on some of those qualities. That would be a way to shore up your repressed center. Yeah, yeah, I think that's. I mean, it seems like seems to me like thinking repression and wisdom sort of naturally go hand in hand, and uh, as it turns out, we'll find that with the other two as well. And uh, so much about thinking has to do with what to do with that information. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's not enough to know everything and, and many, many, many of the greatest thinkers in the history of humanity have recognized that the more, you know, the more, you know, you don't know, and that's yep. wisdom. And so recognizing what to do with the information that you have, that's part of what wisdom is. And if you can't think well, you need to work on figuring out what to do with the information that you have. Yep. My favorite quote here, which I say all the time, is from William James, and he says, wisdom is the art of knowing what to overlook. One of the things with ones, twos, and sixes is you got a thousand details coming at you, but you can't filter them. Mm -hmm. And the over being overwhelmed by all of this stuff is what short circuits clear thinking. This is, uh, many of you know, I have a child who is high-functioning Asperger's. Asperger's is a syndrome. Syndromes are where all sorts of details are coming all at once, and you can't filter them quickly enough to, to jump to where you ought, you know, to, to process the world. It's just kind of, it can, it can feel overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And that's how I at least experience thinking repression. It's like there's like I'm I'm having a hard time knuckling down everything to the couple of things that are really important and valuable and ought to receive my best energy. Yeah. Um. I I was thinking on uh, 
Suzanne Stabile's mantra of what yep. is mine to do mm-hmm. recently. Here's the thing with Stabile's mantra is it's not for her. She has like a thousand invitations coming her way. What is mine to do is actually something about like, I need to knuckle everything down to the couple of things that I want to invest in. Right. And right. clean out all the rest. Cause there's a relational anxiety. She's a two and there's a relational anxiety with all of these invitations to be part of somebody else's life. Right. And what is mine to do ends up being um, not everybody's issue is mine to solve. Not everybody's, you know, I, I can't help everyone, but I can help some people. And that's a, that's a, a clarifying wisdom oriented way of cutting out uh, what needs to be overlooked, you know? Yeah, exactly. And similarly for the sixes, it's Correct. about, focusing on the things that need to be done and discarding the things that don't need to be done and uh, recognizing what is trustworthy and what isn't uh, from a, you know, data-driven kind of way, like like figure out what's real and what's not. And uh, all of this has to do with thinking repression and learning wisdom. Let's do just jump in. We can, at this point, we've set it up. Here's wisdom. Great. Ones, twos, and sixes. Uh, I like going with sixes here first because oftentimes one of the places that there's overwhelming options, you know, there, there may be countless different, you know, details to consider is the future. Yep. It could go any number of possible ways. Yes. And there's the, the sense that I need to think through every possible outcome can be a temptation. Right. Right. And so, and and for many of us listening right now, we hear y- y'all are hearing me and Jeff say this and it's like that's ridiculous. Why would you think of it like like the, there's lots of things that can't possibly happen in the future. And what you're getting a glimpse of is the reality of sixes, the place where they live is that the future is unknowable and because they are also thinking repressed, the future is completely open and anything could happen. Sevens are going to confront that by keeping options open. Here are the five places I might jump. Right. Fives are going to confront that by I've tried to shore up my knowledge as best as possible and here are the assets I could employ if things break. Right. But sixes are reacting to future anxiety in the present and really all they got is relationships or at least and that is commonly how sixes come to their fears, right. to overcoming and their fears. They don't know how to categorize the possibilities in front of them. Right. And so here's the temptation. You sixes will can begin to outsource their thinking. Yeah. 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 That's there what is, uh, verbal processing is. Right. Right. Yeah. Here's the thing about wisdom in the life of a six wisdom opposes self doubt. Wisdom reminds you of your abilities. Wisdom reminds you of all the fact, the facts that have taken place you know, in the past gives you some insight into, you know, the flow of nature and, you know, that things don't break all the time, I suppose. Right. <laughs> um, I know. Right. What does, what does wisdom say to, to that some fears are justified, but a lot of fears are irrational. So mm-hmm. what's the, what's the, what's the role of wisdom in confronting irrational fear? Well, I think uh, I, at, at its most simplest form, wisdom says these these facts matter and these facts don't. 
these possibilities matter and these possibilities don't. It's learning wisdom for sixes is learning how to categorize the information and how to draw on your experiences. Because I've said this before, I'll say it again, I think sixes are the ones that most actively repress their past because the past can't be trusted, the future is the thing that we're aiming at. And I think that wisdom helps understand that the past has a lot to offer and and able to draw on our own experiences, our own ability, our own, our own successes, our own actual failures to know, to inform what things need to be prepared for in the future. It's learning how to properly categorize the information that you have so that you can properly plan for actual reality in the future. Yep. Oftentimes it seems to me the verbal processing of sixes is about asking others, what should I overlook? Or perhaps like inviting that message, you know, mm-hmm. should we should we concern ourselves with this problem? And when you feel somebody else's, no, that's not a big problem. You we're we're fine here. That can be a balm for the six. Or at least mm-hmm. I'm in community. This person heard my uh, anxieties and we're in this together if things do break in the way that I foresee. Right. Turning that inwardly and saying, what does it look like to develop the muscles to do that on your own? That would be shoring up your repress center. Right, exactly. Starting to utilize some of the the tools that are out there in order to strengthen, develop, and and rely on wisdom that is shoring up that thinking center. Yeah. seems to me a lot of religious traditions have in their language something like remember. Mm -hmm. Remember you were once slaves in Egypt kind of imagery that that things look terrible and yet God cares for you. Right. And and it's almost mantras. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's coming back again and again to places of things had gone badly and yet here's where you entrust yourself. Here's where you find stability. And especially, I mean, I, I suppose it's the case we, we recommend this all the time for sixes, finding ways to journal and really elevating the places where you succeeded, where you won, yep. you know, where you did things well, engaging the high side of your stress number, getting some of your three on and boasting a little bit on paper about how you accomplish some hard stuff that can be a great thing for the life for right. your life of a six right learning learning to trust yourself it it might require you to be really intentional about reminding yourself that you can be trusted wisdom uh twos and wisdom i think is interesting where th- where sixes are confronting fear twos are confronting shame getting one's head around What's most essential in the relationships that they have is an incredibly healthy step for twos, yeah? Yeah. And I think there, there's, there's so many different things that we could talk about with this one subject. I mean, it's, it's what do people need from me? It's what, what do people actually need? What is, what can I do? What can only I do? Um, there, there's just, there's so many things about relationships and, and how to be 
a person in a relationship that that really requires this kind of wisdom. Right. It actually might be a lazy move to just always act on somebody else's behalf. That might just be a knee-jerk, unthinking, I'm inserting myself every single time, you know, move. And I mm -hmm. say it is lazy because you're not doing the work to understand whether or not this is yours to do. Sure. Well, and I, uh, I hesitate on the word lazy as well, but I also think that there's, there's a fair amount of pride involved in that. Exactly and right. And this is, this is one of the places where pride really shows itself is, is twos not recognizing what's theirs to do and insisting that, that they need to help in any situation. Everything's mine to do. It's not. Ones are going to also struggle with, and we'll pick on the ones in a second, but, but that's exactly <laughs> right for the twos. Yes. Also engaged in wisdom, just like the sixes need to look inwardly, twos need to look inwardly. And wisdom's going to be clarifying on this front in terms of it's not always about other people's needs. The good life, the healthy life, the whole life, the flourishing life might be about really knowing what your own needs are. Mm -hmm. And that's going to take some work for twos. Right, right. And it, it wisdom will show you uh, the different ways that you define yourself by other people. It, uh, wisdom helps you understand that you take in your identity through other people's eyes, like through, through your own imagining of other people's eyes even. And wisdom says, actually, you're a whole person that, that has an identity outside of that and, and helps you understand that the shame that you might feel that, that dictates why you insert yourself into all of these places might be because of the way that you interpret something that happened to you when you were young. And in fact, not everyone views you the same way as that thing back then, yep. you know? And That's exactly right. Wisdom is going to unveil where you have value outside of other people's opinions. Uh, Aquinas spends a lot of time on this saying other people's opinions are often trash. They're not stable. They're in flux. They're dependent on flawed human beings. Why would you want to anchor your identity and value in those places when there are other options? Right. And wisdom will point you to the other options. Like right. where can where do you where are you able to remind yourself you have unsurpassable worth? That's again a thing a lot of religious traditions elevate is here are true foundational places that speak over you, your value, where it's not based on serving everybody, every other person's possible needs at any and all time. Right. Yeah, we talk about um, journaling is sort of like cleaning out the attic. And, and it's like for relational types, they have a ton of stuff in their attic that is based on, like that, that they're holding on to from past relationships, from their childhood, from high school from from early work experiences like their relationships have have created a storehouse of 
treasures and some of them are actually toxic and and like filling the whole house with noxious gas and some of them are you know really nice things that you should keep around and and part of cleaning out the attic is recognizing what things are actually serving you moving forward and what things are trying to kill you and if it's trying to kill you maybe get it out of your house (laughs) that's it Finding places, I suppose for both twos and sixes, finding those places where wisdom reduces the power of fear and shame, that's the win. Mm-hmm. What, what sort of things are you doing mentally to reduce the power of your fear, to reduce the power of your shame? What sort of ideas are you employing? What sort of postures of mind are you employing? That, that, that's hard work. And we, we, again, TJ and I have done a podcast uh, on elevating the repressed center in our series that's called Steps. While we're jumping into, we give a handful of suggestions in terms of activities, but this is a lifelong process. Right. Ones. Ones are present, present. That is, they take in the world through the present in their body, but they're, and they respond to the world in the present. Very aware of boundaries, but what ones often are trying to keep under control are their own internal urges. There's a lot of energy pointed inwardly, and especially at the places where they think they have failed or will fail, uh, just making sure that they are the sort of person that does everything correct so that they're above blame. And that just like sixes are looking and twos are looking outwardly, ones are in the same way looking inwardly at every mm-hmm. possible thing that might be inside of them that might go wrong. Right. Got to shore that up. Got to exercise a certain amount. Got to read a certain amount. Got to you gotta do all the things to, to ensure that nothing bad spills from inside of you. But really, wisdom says that wisdom says. you are working too hard that uh, some of the things that you're really concerned about don't actually matter, that the world is not black and white. The hypersensitivity emerges because of a lack of wisdom. Mm-hmm. You're, you're unable to see yourself as a human being. Uh, you're unable to see what's natural and common. And even that there is a healthy place for the strong feelings that are within you. Yeah. It's also the case that because ones, just like twos and sixes, are earners, they earn the control over their lives that they desire. But there's never, a, as we've said in the past, there's just never a finish line for a lot of ones. I got to keep earning and earning and earning and earning. I got to get better. I got to do better. I got to work on myself more. And wisdom gives you finish lines. Right. And not just finish lines, but also helps recognize that like some of these tasks will never be completed and that's okay. Mm. You don't, you don't have to like your life is not a marathon. Every once in a while you can stop running. It's okay. Yep. You're the, however far you get on your path, you know, that's, that's a, a good thing to think about like the work that you're trying to accomplish, but you can't actually earn the thing that you're aiming for because it's part of you. Yep. yep. And and 
wisdom tempering black and white thinking helps you recognize that good or bad is a spectrum and you can continually be working toward more good but you never land on like now you're going to be good forever and you're not ever going to do bad things like that's that's not a good aim because it's nothing is that simple yeah it's a good call Last word here, and I think this is the big overarching picture for, for two sixes and ones. Twos, when they don't employ wisdom, think they're responsible for serving everybody. And sixes, when they don't employ wisdom, are responsible for identifying every possible negative thing that might happen. Right. Ones are body types. And when wisdom isn't employed, everything needs to get ordered by the one. Right. And that's a, that is a, uh, very destructive place to live. Yep. Twos, it's going to be heart types. They're relational. Sixes, head types. It's going to be future focused. Ones, your body types. And the world needs to be ordered this moment. And you can't live there. This is the biggest doorway in my world for the inner critic. The inner critic comes in and the, the anxiety, as it were, of things not being sound and complete and whole the voice is there, you have either failed or this thing needs to be done immediately so that the world feels good. The only voice that can confront the inner critic is wisdom. Right. The, that's what confronting the inner critic actually looks like. It's employing wisdom to say things like this activity is not mine to do. It's a great, what's mine to do is a great mantra for ones as well. Mm-hmm. But it's also, as TJ was saying, sometimes it's not, it's, it's, it is good for ones to recognize it's not your job to order the world. Right. That's some, that is somebody else's job. That throne has already been taken (laughs) (laughs) in some religious traditions. It is a high, you know, you want to speak about pride, uh, ones believing that they are the ones who are responsible for ordering everything. That is a, that's high pride. Right. And wisdom says, uh, 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 yeah, for me. And I've said this in the past, I, I was just listening to a podcast the other day about Aaron critics. And so it's just kind of fresh on my mind. I don't experience like a voice very sure. often. If it is a voice, it is much more like the sound of something in my heart recalling conversations. That's mm-hmm. me in four spaces, what that actually is, is sure. uh, just negative conversations that play taking place. For me, it is very, it's like an overwhelming kind of intuitive sense that I broke something and I can't do anything about it. Huh. The urge to want to repair the thing I broke is all over the way that I experience the inner critic. And, it, and what it is, is it's an invitation to be hypersensitive and it's a, it's certainly an invitation to get angry at myself and my failures. Mm -hmm. And I live in that world. Sure. And again, what I need in that space is the voice of wisdom. This is actually why both my beautiful bride and my best friend, their voices likewise, often the, the wisdom I require comes out of TJ's mouth or it comes out of Kelly's mouth in terms of here's the thing that you're mentally obsessing about with and notice how you should see the world. This is how you should see your relationships. This is how you should see your place in what you have built. 
this is how you should see your role in the world. Those are fantastic voices for me. Um, I suppose we haven't said this, but wisdom for ones, twos, and sixes can really come forth from others. You know, that mm-hmm. can be a temptation, as we said, for sixes to outsource their thinking. I suppose it's a temptation probably for ones and twos as well. Yeah, but, absolutely. But there is something about, you know, just gaining insight from people that you trust and who love you and are looking out for your heart that, you know, that's also quite valuable and can be a right. source of wisdom. Right. And and a big part of the value for ones has to do with, like, pointing out that thing that you are really worried about that you broke. I mean, sometimes, yeah, you drop something and you broke it. Sometimes the thing that you broke was actually pretty cracked and you just picked it up and it it already was broken and you just happened to be the catalyst for it, like really falling apart. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the thing that broke should have been broken and it's okay that you did that and we can just move on. And like, there's, there's all kinds of ways that good wisdom can counter this idea that ones carry that the thing that broke must be fixed and it has to be fixed by me. Yep. Cause that is not necessarily true. That's where wisdom is the art of knowing what to overlook in those tools finding. And this is why like, uh, what great books about living well, uh, the scriptures, you know, really investing in recently. I mean, I spend most of my day just listening to YouTubes of people who I think are wise in whatever field they're in. And that just is creating context for me to say, when it comes to this topic, finances or relationships, um, my inner life, I love Enneagram for this reason. You know, I want to hear people talk about this is what my what the healthy inner life looks like so that I can just say, oh, well, I'll just put all my chips on that one. And sure, that generally works for me. Yeah. Bang. And again, your friends come alongside you and say, here's some wisdom. Don't put all your chips on that one. But it's a, <laughs> it's a good one to have some chips on. <laughs> I'm black and white thinking, TJ. This is <laughs> no, that's true. Which brings us to moderation, I suppose. We can talk, yeah. we can talk about <laughs> three sevens and eights. Um, a la- last word on wisdom. Does that work? No, I think that's I the we'll say it over and over again, and we have but like ones, twos, and sixes aren't the only ones who need wisdom, but yeah, y'all are definitely the ones who need it the most to that's help exact- counter that. That's that, exactly uh, right. Yeah, that thinking repression. No, we, uh, that's, that's really valuable. And I'll probably land there as well, but just to say it, you know, we are all head, heart and gut. Right. And these virtues are associated, I think, with those things. So wisdom with your mind, courage with your body and moderation with your heart. And we'll see how that plays out here with moderation. The reason that moderation needs to be elevated in the life of aggressive types of three sevens and eights is because that assertiveness needs to be pulled back some to open up space for you to remind yourself of how you feel. And Mm -hmm. that's real difficult for three sevens and eights to get their minds around their emotional life and the emotional life of others. Moderation means balancing things. And oftentimes those types are the ones that have the hardest time balancing especially with with the realm of their their hearts right 
yeah, head types, five, sixes, and sevens take in the world through that future filter, but these types, three, sevens, and eights, all engage from a place of future focus. And if you're always running toward that future that you envision, you're you're gonna you know stumble. You're gonna run over some things that you should have. You, you know you should stop and smell the roses every once in a while because there's there's things to be had in not constantly pursuing the things that you are aiming for. Yep. Notice when sevens are a great place to start here. When sevens moderate their emotions, which means not getting rid of good emotions, but elevating the value of the hard emotions, that creates a balance in the heart of a seven. When sevens can actually engage the full spectrum of their emotion, what it does is it saves them from scheming. Yeah. It saves them from feeling like they always have to uh, outrun the negativity. Like if you right. if you are able to stop, pause, and embrace the negative the negative experience, experiences, the full kaleidoscopic, you know, world of your emotional life, it allows you to be present, which is a huge value for sevens. Right. Uh, I remember there's there's a character on uh, Parks and Recreation. I've definitely brought this up before, but uh, he he shows up for a hot minute, dates one of the main characters, and then disappears, uh, and he. One of the ways that they describe him as is sort of an emotional tourist. Like he goes around collecting stories and, and like the thing that he is focused on is uh, wouldn't that be awesome? Like that, that's all he wants is like these incredible experiences that, uh, that will create great stories later. And he doesn't ever want to do the hard stuff. And this is one of the things about, about moderation with sevens is that there's a lot of life to be had in the places that they're running away from. And when, when they start to practice, when they start to embrace moderation, it's not just about slowing down. It's also about recognizing what you're missing when you always have your foot out the door, when you're always on to the next thing you're, you're missing and, and you're not just missing stuff for you. You're also taking yourself away from other people, from other relationships, from other spaces where, where you're supposed to be. Yep. You also notice that the passion of gluttony comes in real hard here. If you're unable to sit with the, the full, spectrum of your emotions right because that it's again going to be the knee-jerk reaction to not wrestling well with your inner life is it's going to be all about you know engaging experiencing consuming as much as possible to heighten every possible good experience so scheming and gluttony scheming and gluttony that creates a terrible doom loop you know which right. we, we've we talk about elsewhere um, right. for the for the lifestyle as it were of a of a seven yeah putting on the practices of moderation then ends up being you know the real value for sevens i suppose this is where what is the the holy idea for sevens is is something like sobriety yeah thank you that is meant to moderate you know sobriety is meant to moderate it's right. meant to pull you back right 
Yeah, because when you're running full tilt, eventually you're going to trip and you're going to go full scorpion. Like it's it just like <laughs> you're you're not going to be able to go full tilt forever. And when you fall, if you're running full tilt, it will it's going to be bad. Yep. And moderation says, OK, maybe, you know, maybe up this hill isn't a good full tilt kind of space. Maybe we should go around this hill. Maybe, you know, we should casually stroll up this hill. The go, 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 go crash is a common experience for aggressive types for threes right. and eights as well. Right. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But how much better, how much healthier is it to employ a virtue, a, a character trait of I need to moderate my emotional core? I need, to, right. I need to find those avenues for giving language to all of my emotions and doing real business with them. There's things that need to get confessed. There's things that need to be grieved. There's things that need to be, you know, you need to be angry about. Um, the, the, these can be very healthy experiences. Sevens, I imagine, would benefit hugely on this front from the presence of, you know, a therapist or people who are, who are able to pull those things out, create safe spaces for, for really dealing with one's emotional life. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think that the moderation helps find satisfaction in the places that sevens are running away from. Mm -hmm. Like I, I remember we did, uh, my spouse and I did Whole30 several years ago, and uh, it was a couple of weeks into the Whole30 process, which is where you basically eliminate all things that taste good. And uh, you just don't enjoy your life for 30 straight days. And uh, the... Did you fit in your clothes first afterwards? Time, I lost so much weight. <laughs> and like, I did not know until I did Whole30 that I am actually a skinny person who's just out of shape. And I learned because of Whole30 that I'm skinny. Like, I'm not... Anywho, uh, I remember specifically thinking about... like. The, the first time I had an apple, which was a couple of weeks into the Whole30 process, yeah. was like, it was mind-blowing how yeah. delicious that apple was. Yeah. And I, I think that, like, speaking to gluttony, speaking to scheming, like, with sevens, if you can learn to moderate, then the things that you love will actually be more satisfying because yep. you don't you're not constantly having them, you know? Pen, uh, Penn Gillette, the magician in Penn & Teller, was a very, very large man for a while. Mm -hmm. and, and I saw an interview with him on his, uh, when he decided that he really needed to lose quite a bit of weight. Like it was like 200 pounds, like 150 pounds, something like that of sure. fat. The diet he went on was, you have to pick just one food and you're going to eat this for a few weeks. He picked sure. potatoes, and he could do certain things with the potatoes, but it had to always be potatoes. And then he introduced corn, and he had the exact oh, same experience. Corn, I bet, was mind-blowing right? to him. <laughs> yeah. But you're, it was totally resetting his whole, you know, physical, you know, dietary system, as it were, and right. en enjoying natural things in a way that actually brought out their colors and vibrancy. One of the things that gluttony does, overindulgence does, is it actually kills the enjoyment of things that are made to be enjoyable. And it's right. because of the volume, you know, 
and and much like addiction, the the more you have, the yeah. more you want, and it's the less satisfying it is. And moderation comes in and says, "Have less, and you'll enjoy it more." It's it's a, it's a very strange natural law, but that's right. it, that's exactly right. Have less, and you right. will enjoy it more. To circle back, we we didn't name it through much of this conversation about sevens, but it's all about fear, yeah. Yeah, it's it's that fear of. Uh, I think the big thing for sevens is that fear of being stuck, of of not being able to escape the the hard places, or the of not being able to get out the door. So you just constantly keep your foot in it, and and I think that moderation will help. Like it's it's not just about having less of the good things. It's also like it, it's recognizing how to temper your appetites and when the thing that you're aiming for is to never be stuck, you bring in moderation and you say, maybe it's okay for me to be stuck here for a little while. And being exposed to those fears, it's like, like slowly building up an immunity to Iocane powder. It's, it's, it's (laughs) going to help you recognize the value of the things that you're running away from and incorporate them to be a more full person. Yep. Eights. Eights need to moderate as well. Eights, as we've said commonly, can translate their, all their feelings, all of their emotional lives into a single energy a single emotion that creates boundaries and makes them not feel vulnerable in that energy is anger. If, right. if, if as an eight, if all of your emotions feel like they're translated into anger, that's the warning sign that you're not moderating. Right. The when some of the, so I mentioned him a bunch and I realized that he has lots of issues, but recent interviews with Mike Tyson are real interesting on this front. Mike Tyson mm-hmm. has lost a daughter has been in prison for a, terrible crime was once just the baddest man on earth. Um, you know, and his softness that comes out in recent interviews is, is profound to kind of watch. And you can see he has done lots of therapy in the last 10 or 15 years to get him. Some of it may be court ordered, but it's still (laughs) therapy. But a lot of it has been, how do I get in touch with my, um, um, the language, the vocabulary of my emotions that isn't mm-hmm. just, I want to kill everyone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And for eights, you know, that, that for many of you eights, that's not where you're at right now. But I was watching, okay, so the most recent Ted Lasso, I just got a spoil. So this is no spoiler. It's just a, a line that was so good. There was, <laughs> there's a character who's clearly an eight on Ted Lasso. And uh, one of the characters in the show, his child is being bullied or he thinks he's being bullied. Sure. And the eight character says, you don't respond, you wait. And then in a month, you break into their house at 4 a.m. with a large towel, dyed red and dripping. (laughs) 
and you begin to beat them <laughs> because at 4 a.m. it's the time of the day where most people are least likely to be able to respond to, to conflict. <laughs> and he goes through like this vision of slapping someone in bed with this red towel so that, that uh-huh. when they awaken and turn on the light to see what's going on, they see that they're covered in something that looks like their own blood. Yeah, he sure. says, yeah. And, and then you deliver this message and you leave. And he has like these detailed pictures <laughs> of how to <laughs> unleash his anger at someone to put them in their place so that he doesn't feel vulnerable or so that this person's kid doesn't feel, you know, attacked anymore. That guy needs moderation. Moderation, man. (laughs) Gotta pull that back. (laughs) The moderation clearly goes against vengeance. And we talked about eights and vengeance last time. There, you feel vengeance. It becomes a fixation. This is where... The anger is leading into your mental life as a, how do I destroy this person that hurt me? Yeah. And moderation, especially in your emotional life, allows you to get a full sense of your full feelings so that they're not channeled into anger, so that they're not all channeled. Because what it does, it's really a laser. Laser is just light amplified. You know, mm-hmm. it's la- laser is just all the light all in one place all at the same time. And you need diffusion for for your for your emotional life right yeah there's an intensity with eights yeah. that like y- you can usually tell when an eight enters the room because they bring a certain kind of energy and and eights are so comfortable with their anger and letting it out and moderation comes and says it's okay to slow down. It's okay to calm down. It's okay to back off. It's okay to pause for a moment. Um, because the because eights, all all three of these aggressive assertive types, they they believe that they can reorder the world according to how they think it should be, and and moderation comes in and says, if you just hold on for a second, then maybe your way isn't the only way, and maybe your way isn't the best way. And maybe you should, you know, talk about your feelings. Maybe you should recognize that you have feelings because maybe the way, the thing that you want to change is actually about some type of feeling that you have. And you're just trying to order the world so that you don't have to deal with that feeling. And, and for eights, coming into that space of moderation says you actually, it, it's okay to not do the thing right now. It's okay to, to, pause to let uh, to invite other voices into this space to not need to solve this emotional problem so that you can get on with your life moderation says wait says pause be says be here right now instead of just barreling toward what you think is supposed to be done complimenting that moderation is going to say other people's feelings also matter you know, yep. it's not just your feelings or your goal or your, you know, adventure or sense of control. The feelings of others, the emotions of others matter and elevating those matters. I actually see this 
most in eights that are really working. You can see it in their vocabulary. A lot of eights will confess very vocally. I often run people over. I often use yep. a lot of profanities. I often do this, and I've been told that I really need to mellow out when I talk to people like you. You know, <laughs> kind of. sure. But that yeah. actually is, you know, elevating your oppressor. That that is, I need to care about other people's emotions, and I'm trying to get my heart and mind and posture around that. Yeah. Right. And, and and very similar to sevens with uh, consumption, it's like the we're we're not necessarily saying that that every single person's finest like most detailed feelings need to be considered in all situations at all times. But the the way that eights come to the world is very comfortable with disregarding other people's feelings. And moderation says sometimes that's bad. Sometimes you should just do the thing because people are, are having too many feelings about it. Right. But sometimes you are actually doing serious damage to not only yourself, but other people in your life because you don't care about how they feel about what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Of all things, moderation may insist at times that you do move forward despite right. the you know, irrational feelings of others. That can be a great good for a lot of us that right. you're not, you're not getting bogged down in, in our, you know, quagmires of, of feelings and, and such. Like we need people to push. Right. Right. The eights can bring moderation. Uh, eights can force moderation on some <laughs> of the rest of us sometimes. Well, I mean, even in, I should say it. Yeah. It's, it's a gift to the rest of us, but also moderation doesn't mean that you totally, you know, temper uh, all of your, temper is the wrong word, like extract all of your anger. Like sometimes mm -hmm. the, the anger of eights needs to be employed in the right way at the right measure at the right times, you know? Right. That's actually right. where wisdom comes and overlaps. Wisdom will tell three sevens and eights how to you know feel you get your head right. around how you ought to feel and uh those in combination can be incredibly powerful right absolutely threes to begin you uh, again we need to elevate shame here the threes have had relational experiences those ex those relational experiences color how they see themselves or how they experience the world and they don't want to feel that shame ever 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 again. And because they're future focused in their stance, they're going to do all the things necessary to ensure that they never look bad, that, um, that they get the, the sort of love, attention, et cetera, that they desire. And that can be an aggressive, assertive posture toward the world. And often what can be lost in all of that is not the pausing and giving robust language to how they feel, what the world, you know, what the world has done to them, like really wrestling with, similar to sevens, taking a moment to say sometimes things went very badly and you need to, to do some business with the, you know, the negative side of the spectrum of feelings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think for, for threes, it's even more that, um, that threes are sort of not ignoring, not necessarily ignoring their inner life the way that sevens are, but but even more so, they're 
sort of living a lie about what their inner life is. Uh, there's because threes identify so much with uh, what other people deem successful, what other people think is is worthwhile and and meaningful, and like threes want to be the coolest person in the room. They want to be the person that that other people look at and say, yeah, that's that's the winner right there. And so they they morph themselves into whatever it takes to be the one who is praiseworthy. And and in that way, they are are not necessarily sort of ignoring their or running away from their inner life. They're they're right. unaware of it to a level that like they they so more easily identify with these different masks, these different hats that they put on in the spaces so that other people will see them as successful. Yeah. I I see it as kind of like elevating to the platform that they ought to look like in their inner life. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is like I know threes uh who want to win at counseling. It would be that sort of thing. Like I'm going right. to this therapist. I'm going to share all the things that are going on in me. And I want the therapist to see me as an internally healthy, mature, winning sort of person. Mm-hmm. And yep. that, that platform inside the heart of a three is what is aspired to. Right. What's underneath that platform is reality. Right. And often the thing that really needs work. Right. And that's so where the moderation comes in. Moderation comes in and says... That the goal here is actually to work on your inner life, not to win. Yes. Stop trying to win. Yeah. Otherwise, and we said earlier, otherwise you often, threes can be the ones who crash most spectacularly Mm -hmm. with their emotions. Right. Heart types that they are. Something truly breaks that is, that you can't, you know, spin out of or reframe. Right. And, and you have to really do business with how the thing makes you feel because that's all, all you have because you can't create, you can't manufacture the platform. Right. Well, I, I think also that, that when threes fail, it's often something that causes them to withdraw from the public sphere. Like, like failure or the appearance of failure for threes means that they want to hide. They don't want people to see their failure. And when you extract yourself from the very thing that gives you identity, then you have like that, that that's a nowhere place. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that describes, does it not the stress move? For yeah, threes absolutely. in terms of like going, I'm going to go to nine space and dig a hole as deep as I possibly can. To... Right. So that other people can't see me in my failure. Yeah. But you, you don't know who you are apart from what other people see about you. So the right. last thing that you remember is that they saw your failure, which means you are a failure. And, and now you're stuck in this doom loop, this, this hole in the ground where you're hiding from other people when, moderation will tell you that you actually need to not embrace failure, but, but moderate your, your need for success, moderate that the tools that, that you're using to, to identify yourself. Moderation looks like honesty. Yeah. 
moderation looks like authenticity, as it were. It's real similar to sevens who are embracing sobriety. Threes just need to embrace kind of a radical process sometimes, and it might look like honesty. Right. Um, push into the four wing more. You get to get some leverage there for being authentic. Um, mm-hmm. I know a lot. So I obviously am in a relationship, a one three relationship. Finding people of that sort, ones are going to elevate as of first importance honesty. Eights mm-hmm. are going to be brutally honest often. Yeah. Uh, one, you know, fi- finding it's again. This is all about character. It's it's exercising those muscles that we are naturally weak in those those spaces and and having relationships that pull those things up and out of us and give, even give us healthy space. I heard this the other day in terms of um you'll know this like some traditions during funerals they'll hire people to wail and cry. Hmm. And the reason that people are hired to go to the funeral and wail and cry is because it gives space for the people who are actually grieving mm, to yeah. do real business. Right. And that's what threes need. They need people who are like kind of overtly honest when it doesn't look good. It clearly doesn't right. look good that this person is like an oversharer, but but it actually does create some space for the four threes to to feel comfortable perhaps spilling out some of the things that they would normally, you know, reframe. Right, right. Um, Much like uh, when you see movies in the theater, usually you laugh harder at jokes than if you're watching them home alone by yourself because there's other people laughing. Exactly. You, You can have the exact same joke and in a, in a room full of one, that person will go, and in a, a crowded stadium, the the room just blows up like people yeah. think it's so funny because that laughter is sort of contagious you you have permission to truly express yourself yeah. and the more people that are doing it the more permission you feel uh same thing with singing and uh crying at funerals that this is a thing especially for threes when other people are doing the same thing it doesn't necessarily look like failure right that's good. That's like I need to think on that. One of my my wife's favorite places to go is to uh, Zumba to do do, do uh-huh. exercises with dance. Yep. But when you start, you're clearly not good at this. You're going right. to look kind of awkward and goofy, um, yep. and you're going to care if everybody else is doing it precise and with a right. lot of you know class and flair. But if it's yeah, the case that the, the Zumba class that you go to, everybody else is kind of flailing like you are, it just creates. Mm-hmm much more permission to enjoy that space. I feel to be <laughs> I free. Bet you, I bet you that's a thing. And to feel yeah. like you could probably do better uh, than everybody else here soon, you know, or something. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Or worst case scenario, you're definitely not the worst one in the room. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And that I uh, moderation says that striving after being the best is not always the most winning path. And like tortoise and the hare is a great yeah. moderation tale and the totally. tortoise wins because he's just steady on his goal. Yep. And and the hare loses because he has no ability to moderate. Or even yeah, uh, pushing into that like moderating the number of goals you have. Yeah. I need to be the most 
praiseworthy parent, the most pay, praiseworthy employee, the most praiseworthy, you know, uh, at the exercise I do, the most praiseworthy home, the most praise, you know, and that can kill you yeah. if you go down and, that and path. And the truth is we can't be, most of us can't be that great at all of those things. Yeah. But we could be really great at two or three of them and only so-so at the other ones. Yeah. And moderation says it's okay to be only so-so at some things. Or to reframe this, what you're actually seeking to achieve is, another word for moderation, is balance. That's the actual win. And mm-hmm. that's what it actually looks like to be a happy, thriving, flourishing human being. Hitting all these monumental goals is not necessarily flourishing. You can point right. to countless people on the t- uh, who are at the top of their game in their field who are miserable. Yeah. Lots and, and of people. Yeah. Deceit comes in in this place in a big way because yeah. there's a lot of people who look really successful who will not tell you how unhappy they are. Yeah, the, right. Because... You, you can't possibly be this successful in, in your job, in your family, and whatever, and also not be happy about it, right? Yep. And that's, like, we the American dream is a lie. And yep. the more we all keep saying, oh, I'm living the, Amer- the dream, whatever, it's we're all lying. Yeah. Py- pyramid schemes, by their nature, are all about deceit. Exactly. And so much... Of, so of you're saying being a three is a way. pyramid scheme. <laughs> I'm saying that threes are probably <laughs> the most likely to jump into a pyramid scheme. Mm, Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. That yeah. is, that is, that's some crack cocaine. That's a catnip. <laughs> that's, <laughs> give me, give me some more of that. Do I get to, to elevate to level four? Right, what does it cost right. me? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Mary Kay. Um, so. <laughs> lastly we get to talk about courage withdrawn types need courage and courage is the virtue associated with the body courage is putting into practice the demands of wisdom so says c.s lewis courage is uh, isn't about running into a battlefield with a sword courage is doing the thing you know you need to do and that's a very physical virtue um, it requires like kind of a passion or a fire that inspires activity. And so fours, fives, nines all need to confront their action repression with something that looks like courage. So yeah, where you want to start? This is, I, I, I think this is different from the kind of courage that we talk about with sixes. Uh, and I, like there's, there's certainly a lot to be said about the kind of courage that that sixes need and that they can demonstrate in their their best places and i i just want to put all of that on the shelf and say that that's that's not what we're talking about this is something specific about the right. action repression the the body intelligence center repression and sort of its counter which is the virtue of courage that's a good, that's an important footnote. Let's go with the fours. Fours like threes are going to wrestle with shame. Uh, fours like threes are going to take in the world with that pass filter. But fours can get stuck. They can get stuck in the, in the, the relational dynamics. The, there can be a quagmire of melancholy mixed with 
um, just living in all of the details and flavors of what has happened, and that can be stagnating, yeah? Yeah, yeah, and it, I think it has so much to do with, like, like fours are concerned about the emotional space, and that means that they're all, they're, they're basically always thinking about their feelings and their feeling yep. about their thoughts and they want to know what you think about their feelings and the things that have happened and like they they want to know what is the the emotional pool that we're in and like let's let's really make sure that 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 space is the thing that we're focused on yep. and that's that's my emotions that's your emotions that's how you feel about me that's how I feel about you um, all of that. That's that's what we want. And if all you're doing is talking about your emotions, you're not actually doing anything. Like that's what this body repression is for Fords. They're they're not doing anything. They're focusing on their emotions and their relationships. And and when you don't really spend any of your time thinking about what to do, then you like you don't you don't get anything done and you never move and you never change things and fours are so comfortable with recognizing the beauty of how things are where they are that they fail to recognize that sometimes things actually need to change you need to move you need to get up and do something about the thing that you're feeling so that you can get out of this quagmire if you right. will yeah. yeah the the problem isn't the emotions for for fours, despite what everybody else says, it's it, the the real invitation is to act on your emotional insights. Right. This is where envy really can get confronted. You look at that other person; they have the life and style, and you know they're doing the things you want to do. But you can live in that space of of just observing and you know feeling the envious thoughts about said person or you can get moving and doing something that would attain you know the thing that you're envious of yeah right or or even you know if 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 you're envious of this person then get up and leave and let that person stay there like (laughs) like stop being around that person if they make you feel bad about yourself right yeah there's there's this sort of insistence on not just stasis, but, but like envy basically says, I, I, something is wrong with me that prevents me from having the kind of happiness that I see elsewhere. Yeah, that's it. And, and you and can live in her. Yeah, you can easily live in that space. And, and fours, you know, that's, that's kind of, they're, they're comfortable there. But courage comes along and says, you know, maybe you can change your circumstances. Maybe you're not stuck here, but you have to do something about it. Yeah. Courage is a fuel on this front that like lighting a, f- I, I realize that a lot of these are going to be probably buzzwords for fours, fives, and nines that you've heard from your parents and you've heard from your teachers and you've heard from everybody who's telling you this, is what you need to do with your life. What you need is fire to get up and start moving. Unfortunately, because, because your action repressed, you need to name that, you know? Right. And right. it just is the place that requires work. Unfortunately, right. thinking repressed people need to have the right <laughs> thoughts in order to deal with their thinking. Action yep. repressed folks need to work in order to begin working on their <laughs> yep, getting <Yep>. to work. <laughs> well, and and even the 
I think about this a lot. The like fours, fives, and nines. The, part of what we struggle with is is purpose. Like the the thing that has to be done needs to have meaning, needs to have function, yes. needs to have purpose in our lives, and it's so difficult. Uh, it's often so difficult for us to assign any type of value any type of purpose to to things that need to get done and courage sometimes says go do it anyway but it's also like we have to have the courage to know what we want to want something Mm -hmm. we have to have the courage to to want something we have to courage have to have courage to know what we want and then we have to have courage to go after that thing so for fours it's not just getting up and and striving after the life that you're envious of it's having the courage to recognize what parts of that life you actually want if someone across the room looks like they're happier than you because they have this certain kind of job but you don't actually want that job you need courage to recognize that you don't want that job and that's not a problem. You don't need to be like that person. You have to, like, courage starts by recognizing what things you have to move for, move toward. Yep. I think you're putting your thumb on, on a big solution for fours, fives, and nines is elevating the thing in your heart and mind that has real meaning and value that mm-hmm. actually will inspire action. And so that's that's a clue into how to get your action repression, uh, how to deal with it. Is you need to right. elevate some stuff as right. meaningful. So I've heard, I'm sure you have as well, like the example of like, uh, you know, somebody strings a, a a a small beam between two high rises and says, "I'll give you, you know, a thousand dollars to walk across this high rise beam." Would you do it? And very few people would. But right. if you put a loved one out on that beam requiring help, you would kind of, you know, instinctively say, I need to get out on that beam to help my loved one because your loved one is meaningful to you and there's courage. Mm -hmm. Like there's action. And and so I I like that in terms of you got to, I always wrestle with talking about the heart and the heart. There's the relational heart. And I don't mean this. There's another kind of heart that is much more about meaning and capturing like what what I want most, and that's where cur- that's what courage requires to be inflamed. Right. right. Yeah, I think a, a, in in your imaginary scenario of of the beam across two high rises, the if a four standing on one side and someone says, you can have a thousand dollars if you cross this beam, I think the four would say, I'm not going to cross that beam, but I really wish I had a thousand dollars, you know, like, like, man, I want that money. I, I wish that I was the type of person who would cross beams like that. And then they'd watch somebody else do it and get the thousand dollars and say, ah, oh, I wish that was me. And I think courage says, actually, it's okay to not, want to risk your life for a thousand dollars you can go downstairs now yeah like like courage says just walk away man you do not need that this is a ridiculous scenario to be in and you could just leave it's okay well that would be wise there would be another uh, all the virtues really multiply on on one another build each other the wisdom of understanding what to 
be courageous about. A lot of there's mm-hmm. a lot of people who are courageously trying to establish things that are just foolish. Right. You know, and that's that's right. not where you want to be either. <laughs> right. Wisdom tells you appropriate targets. Right. All of this again to circle back it hits your shame. Courage is an activating force that's not going to have you living in the past, in the relational past. Right. If you're doing something, if you're so especially fours that are feeling good about putting into practice the things they know they ought to be doing are going to move into security at some measure. You're going to mm-hmm. start to to feel the best the high side of oneness at at this level, you know, and and begin to really get into your body in those secure spaces and that can be a great place for fours. Yeah. And 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 to recognize that like if you're the type of person that wants $1,000 but doesn't want to walk across the high beam, then maybe there's things that you can do to get $1,000 and you don't, you don't have to just lament not having that. This, is, this metaphor is really breaking down pretty quickly now, <laughs> but, but like, like courage comes and says, you do not have to be ashamed that you wouldn't cross that beam. You do not have to be ashamed about not living up to these things because you start to recognize what what you are willing to to work for, yeah. what you are willing to do. And and then it's easier to move towards those things. Boom. Brings us to fives. Fives who are not going to struggle with shame. They're going to sh- struggle with fear. Taking mm-hmm. in the world through the future. Here's what might go wrong. Fives are going to naturally withdraw in order to confront the future. Uh, going to struggle, as we've said in the past, with with some stinginess in their minds. Kind of not engaging, but content to be observers. What they need is courage. Courage to act on what they know. Uh, you got thoughts on fives here? Well, and 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 courage to. Um courage to let go, courage to share, courage to enter the spaces that they're trying to, to observe. There's, there's so much about fiveness that is about withholding. Mm-hmm. And like they, they are trying so hard to not be part of the world in case they aren't prepared for it. And, and courage says, jump in. You, you can't know you you can't know everything there is to know about swimming without actually swimming. So jump in the pool, and you, like you won't you won't gain anything by by having a pool in your in your yard that you don't use. Yeah, that you just study. This is kind of a real clear image in my head of of courage. That in term, bringing meaning back into this, fives have meaningful relationships but often have a real difficulty emotionally engaging those relationships in a mm-hmm. courageous way. The, it's it's right. much easier to withhold one's uh, interior life. Right. And yet if the person in front of you matters, and that would be it, it's value. The person in front of you matters. That can inspire, you know, courageous self-disclosure. Right. Um, allowing people to see you and for you to see yourself as part of the whole and not just an outside set of eyes. Right. 
And even the um, fives so often experience, like they, they have their feelings after things happen. So that um, something might happen to a five, but they don't actually have any emotional response to it until a few days later. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of cases, everyone else has moved on by that time. And I, I think courage would invite the five to sh- bring forth that emotional experience anyway, to recognize that they have something that other people need and to bring that thing to the table. Even if it seems like that, that person doesn't has moved on, mm-hmm. you know, virtue for fives is not a ta- non-attachment. Is that correct? Yes. It feels like this needs to get parsed. It feels like there's two types of non-attachment for fives, yeah? Like there, there's there's almost the non-attachment of not attaching to anything, so I'm like in that withdrawn space. Mm-hmm. But then there's the non-attachment of the things that the fives hold close. Right. The resources and values that they have. Yep. And that's what's being elevated here, the open-handedness. That takes a, a a lot of courage because, and it's a confronting of one's fears. Yeah, like fear doesn't have power if you live with open hands. Fear has right. power when you're hoarding. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I, I I suspect that you and I will start using phrases like open handedness more than non attachment as a virtue. Yeah, right. Because because I think that's that is the important thing is the. The idea that it's okay to let go of the stuff that you're holding on to, um, and and four fives that so often includes their their time, their energy, their their emotional space. Uh, it it often is their physical resources, but open handedness is good, and courage is actually like intentionally offering those things. Yeah, heard another C.S. Lewis quote. Uh, recently that was something like when you get to heaven, the only books that you get are the ones that you've given away Hmm. or the books that you've had returned that have all sorts of markings in them by the people you loaned them to. Sure. But all the markings are going to be turned into elaborate, beautiful wood carvings um, that will make the books a delight. You know, (laughs) I I love, I love this is just a picture. My own hoarding instincts. I, I have, lost countless books that I really treasure and I mm-hmm. don't want to pay for again. Yeah. And uh, there's one book in particular I loaned to a buddy of mine who's, who's an eight and he wrecked the book with, with his <laughs> notes. It, he did it in pencil <sighs> thinking, well, of course Jeff can just erase the pencil marks if he doesn't you like. You can't erase it. pencil marks from a book. He, you can't. Uh. One. And two, why is it my job to erase all your <laughs> pencil marks? He's just peeing on my book, eight that he is. But the but I was really heartened by the fact that it may be the case that this book that I actually really like is all these are wood carvings yeah. <laughs> in yeah. the future. Yeah. Okay, well, it's, or I'm lying to myself. Non-attachment. Anyway, Non-attachment. yeah, that there's a totally different train of thought than than <laughs> the courage needed for fives. So, well, courage to loan out future books. Okay, sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's me. There's a self-serving element here, I suppose. I do think it is the case that uh, fear is the thing that needs to get named, and courage is is that virtue here mm-hmm. that is really confronting it. That it goes real cleanly 
in terms of the life of a five. Yeah. Lastly, nines. You want to talk about uh, courage? And this is, well, actually, let me set this up. For fours, we talked about this. Courage often has that heart center to it. There's going to be a acting on you know, the things you know you need to do relationally. Mm-hmm. For fives, it's acting on those things you know you need to do mentally. But for nines, it's you're in the center. You Like you intuit the world through your body and getting into your body to respond is going to be the difficulty, yeah? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> we have, uh, me as a nine, we have uh, a lot of difficulty prioritizing what's important and, and figuring out what, what needs to be done and when and, and what order. And uh, we, you know, we would rather take a nap and we are avoiding conflict. And, and courage feeds, fills all of those spaces. And, and um, like, because nines have the least amount of energy, getting going is so difficult. And, and we look at all of the tasks and they're all of equal importance to us. So we have no idea what to start first. And, and we just, you know, we, the conflict avoidance thing, I think is such a big part of where we need courage, but it's not the only part. I think there's so much about the rest of our lives that, that we need courage to just make a decision and stick to it, stick to it. Not only because it might be unpopular, but because you just have to start, getting going and the a lot of the other stuff will sort of follow notice again how meaning comes in to play right. i don't know what i should do because it's all the same and it's yep. all kind of boring and yep. does it even need my attention right but if something actually is meaningful then it categorizes you know what what ought to be engaged right yeah and, and at least where to start. Like inertia yeah. is a really significant thing for nines. Uh, an object in motion stays in motion unless moved on by an outside force. And, mm. and once it starts moving, it's a lot easier to keep moving. So I, I, I find this in cleaning a lot that it, if I just start doing small basic tasks with cleaning there's a better chance that I'll move on to the bigger stuff. Right. If cleaning is about making your space a certain way, that's not going to register very high for you in terms of like cleaning. If cleaning is about loving your wife, then it's different. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. My house would be a total pigsty if I lived alone. And many of the people who have lived with me or visited my house when I have lived alone, you know, they recognize that all of, that that's true, that I, it, it's just really easy to let it go because I personally don't care about the mess and other people do. So what do I do? Like, how do I figure out what, how do I let other people's view inform how much work I should do? We haven't brought up anger yet. Uh, in the life of nines here. Mm-hmm. But do you see an overlap between courage and anger? I think that courage will help us embrace the things that need to do that prevents 
or qua- that quashes current anger and prevents future anger. So sure, there are a lot of things that I get very angry about that have to do with something that I didn't do when I was supposed to do it. Um, there's there's a lot of things that I get really angry about because I don't want to have to do or experience this thing and someone else is forcing me into it and the anger comes out sideways. Yeah. And, and the ways that I am so that, that nines are so, so specifically and, and directly working to avoid anger in their lives. it so often has more to do with the fact that they don't want to be affected. Right. And, and when you embrace courage and just step into the places where you, you have to do the things that you have to do, and, and there's an, even an invitation sometimes to do things that you don't necessarily have to do, but it'll be good for you in the long run, this helps counter some of that anger that we don't know how to deal with because it's always about, it's always, it just like, it hits us and we're trying so hard to not let anger affect us. I feel like that's a great description of anger in the life of a nine. It's again, for the body types, anger is about boundaries. Mm -hmm. It's about spatial awareness. And that's where you need to start in order to understand. It's not like necessarily about relationships breaking, you know, or that, you know, you don't have enough money in your bank account, though it can be. It's about, it's about the boundaries. Right. And yeah. So the withdrawing to establish the boundaries and when the boundaries are upset, that's coming on the back side. I like how you're saying that. It's something I, you get angry at things you didn't do. And that mm-hmm. that is the negative side to your stance. Right. It's you have withdrawn too far. Right. In that sense, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for, for a very real example, the other day I caught myself getting uh, about to get really angry at my spouse. And... Like I almost, like I started to, I felt it start to come out and I, I was able to like pull back as it was happening, but I almost like full on really like domestic disturbance yelled at her about something stupid, absolutely stupid. And it had nothing to do with her. And the reality is it had everything to do with this other situation, which I have not dealt with. And part of why I have not dealt with it is because I don't have the gumption. I don't have the thing that's sort of propelling me into action. And if realistically, if I could embrace courage and just like just deal with this other thing, it probably wouldn't come out in ways that where I yell at my wife for something stupid. This is a good place to talk about all three virtues. Uh, one of the things that Plato says about courage, moderation, and wisdom is, is that they work like a three-chord harmony. You know, in music, if you play three notes, it creates mm-hmm. a harmony. Mm-hmm. And that harmony matters. In fact, that harmony for Plato is the most beautiful thing there is. It's when everything is right, everything is functioning the way it should. And mm-hmm. Plato's word for that is justice. It's rightness, it's goodness, it's everything is functioning as it should. Yeah. The the sort of stuff that you were talking about there ends up being like there's this mixture of the courage and the wisdom, you know, working together. Wisdom yeah. is telling you 
what to do, what is valuable, what mm-hmm. matters. And then moder- moderation comes in and ends up, you know, smoothing out all the edges, uh, ends up, you know, not too much, not too little, keeping everything in balance. And if one, you know, in their mind knows what to do, in their body is doing it, in their heart is, you know, is feeling the right ways, in, in their their heart is giving everything its due value. That is that is a flourishing life, right? And that's why Aristotle wants to say this is what happiness looks like. When you when you are are embracing excellence at that level, that is happiness, and that is in his language the good life. So just to to use that prism for for a second, when doing stance work. That's really the target is to get your mind, heart, and body all embracing these excellences, shoring up the places where you're deficient, mellowing out the things where, you know, I suppose we did, haven't said this, but it was teased with, uh, with what you were saying about nineness that, you know, your stance withdrawing, being aggressive, or being an earner those also need to get pulled back a little bit. There's a moderation that needs to take place there because we can be too aggressive or too much, too reactive or too withdrawn. And so shoring up our repressed center, mellowing out our stance, finding ourselves in balance. For TJ and I, that has routinely been the sweet spot. It's all these things in balance is what the real, real target of the Enneagram is. Yep. So that means your wings, that means your stress and security number, that means in this place, you know, talking about it with your stance. Right. Uh, last word on on shoring up your repressed center? Yeah, just a reminder to to look for that that particular episode of the the steps series because I think we we give a lot of really practical things um and, and I think the, the reality is that we all have to find what works for us. And, and thinking about these, these virtues, if you've done any work on yourself, you know which one of these things that you need. You know which one of, like, you, you could probably tell which one we're talking about that you yeah. need to work on. And, and now the thing is to, to do it. Uh, for fours, fives, and nines, you just got to do it. You just gotta mm. pick a thing and do it, <laughs> and and that's what courage is telling you. You gotta do it, and I suppose that is uh, it's courageous for all the types to if for one season sixes it takes courage to really do the hard work of thinking. Yep. Better. Yep. And it takes courage for three sevens and eights to really get into their feelings. Right. So again, all these all these things are moving together. Yep. It's good. I had if I had a year to write a book that wasn't uh, an Enneagram book, love to do work on on this at some point. This was the my philosophy classes the the, the structure was around the three virtues. Just love the hell out of this material. So, thank you for going down this path with me, and my brother. No problem. Anytime. I can Friends, do this for a year. A year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a big X across 2026. We'll we'll dive in for okay. a while. There we go. Love it. (laughs) Friends, it would mean the world to us if you shared this episode with somebody you love, preferably somebody whose life is out of control or they're not, or they're deeply foolish uh, or what they, they're just, just stagnant, just not moving at all. 
this this podcast is for them, obviously. <laughs> no, share stuff that uh, we'd love that you would share uh, our work with people that you love. Uh, it's a great conversation starter for some of us. Uh, TJ will know this. Through 2023, we meet once a month online. These conversations have been phenomenal. They have been about stance and relationships here recently. And you can find us by going to aroundthecircle.org, clicking on events. It'll take you to the Zoom links, and uh, then you'll be on our list. And we we would love, love, love to talk to you and and have you. As has been said a a few times here recently, we have two new podcast feeds. Because you know what's better than one scoop of ice cream? (laughs) Two scoops. I'm going to my seven. One of our podcasts is called Start Here. It's for people who are just jumping into the Enneagram for the first time. If you look up Start Here, an Enneagram podcast, you'll see it. It's very shareable. It is TJ and I's best work or attempt at creating a space for people that we love to find their Enneagram type and to jump into the things that are most essential. And uh, the second feed that we have is called Movie Typing. It's also an Enneagram podcast. And we have done about 40 episodes. We are presently remastering them all, re-releasing them uh, at that feed. And we're going to be adding to it once a month here for uh, the foreseeable future. So find those two podcasts. Intro music here is by The Collection, and the jazz and the outro is by the great Brian Claxton. Uh, Do check out Brian's music. Brian's amazing. You know Brian. Look up Brian Claxton. His stuff is awesome. If you love this podcast... Claxton with an X. If you love this podcast and want to help us, you can always find us on Patreon. We'd love your support if you just want to support what we're doing. And as always, if you're one of the few thousand listeners that we have that has yet to give us stars on iTunes or a review or stars on Spotify, that's actually, that's real love. It takes courage, takes uh, wisdom to give the right number of stars. Is there, is there a wise number to give a podcast like ours? I bet you five. wisdom says five. It's, yeah. it's like the only wise number to give. <laughs> <laughs> and we will be delighted at seeing your wise words when you give us a review. That's what I got. You got anything else? I got nothing, man. He's CJ Wilson. He's officially awesome, and I sure hope that he's the one that's going to edit this podcast because it was long. And my name's <laughs> Jeff Cook, and who you aren't just is not interesting takes wisdom and courage and moderation to dismiss the person that you aren't. But it's good work. 